0: Welcome. You have entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simron. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simron. Welcome to another edition of
1: 1111 Talk Radio. I am To be with you and excited for a very powerful show. I always love introducing you to exciting visionaries, beautiful teachers, and wonderful guides that can support not only your spiritual development and personal growth, but a deepening within yourself that lets you ground into the truth of your essence, your sacredness, and your godliness. We are all God's walking, and it is the remembrance and the awareness of that that is our next step in terms of our human evolution. In truth, there's nowhere to go. There's nothing that we need to evolve into. It is simply a remembrance into what we have always been. And today's show is certain to help spark that uh, for all people, men and women alike, but hopefully especially for women. This is my... um, pleasure to introduce you once again. I've had her on before, Acharya Shunya. She's been on with some of her other fabulous books, and I do hope that you will explore her website, her teachings, her workshops, and all of the things that she is doing. She is the featured cover for the 1111 Magazine issue on servant leadership, so you can definitely go to 1111mag.com and look through that free issue and definitely dive into her article, as well as clicking the links there. But today we are going to dive into her new book that is releasing called Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. She says, The authority and dominance associated with the act of roaring are not typically associated with the human female on our patriarchy world planet today. Vocal expressions, generally attributed to womankind, usually fall into several categories. First, they are the submissive, soft, melodious, sing-song, wispy, out-of-breath, cute-as-hell, daddy's little princess voices. Next are the always-questioning, never-decisive voices, placating and overly-persuasive, begging and imploring, can you help me, I'm a damsel in distress. Then there are the nagging and whiny voices, And how dare women enter male territory, the shrill, strident, bossy, and bitchy voices. And last but not least, there are the come-hither, foxy, sex-and-siren voices. Of course, these voices are not the real, fundamental representation of womankind. They have emerged from the internalization of a cluster of self-lessening beliefs collectively known as patriarchy. And I think now more than ever, with so much that continues to happen in our world and in the news, we are feeling that imbalance, that shadow nature that is taking place within us and externally. So I want to discuss this feminist manifesto that is rooted in classic Vedic teachings and brought to life through India's primary goddess archetypes by author, teacher, internationally renowned and award-winning First female head of her 2,000-year-old Indian Vedic spiritual lineage, Acharya Shanya. She is classically trained as a master of yoga and Ayurveda and a leader of the divine feminine path to soul ascendance. She is president of the Awakened Self Foundation and founder of the non-profit Vedika Global and author of Ayurvedic Lifestyle Wisdom and Sovereign Self, both of which there are archives in the 1111 Talk Radio archive list. And she resides in Northern California. You can find out more at awakenself.com. But without further ado, I want to introduce you to Acharya Shanya and her new book, War Like a Goddess. Welcome back to 1111 Talk Radio.
2: Thank you, Simran. It is such a pleasure to be in conversation with you. Always.
1: Well, this could not be a more timely conversation for women, especially with so many of the events that are taking place, uh, so much of the controversy around women's bodies, uh, much of the movements that have happened in the past that have to do with uh, oppression, sexual oppression, workplace wage oppression, so many different things, and. I think we have a commonality in terms of our own path of oppression or submission that initially took place through culturally marriage, uh, which is what led you to really personally wanting to put out this book to illustrate your own rise out of that, but also every woman's rise, not only out of the constriction that they live in, but they're deepening into the goddess nature that's already been. Talk a little bit about that originating place, what that felt like in your personal life, and what became the spark that said, I must rise, the goddess within me must rise, and I must roar. Yes,
2: indeed. I think uh, all women have to face at some time or the other this ugly truth that they're less valuable than the men in their lives. And it's not because of something they've done or something they embody. It's just because of their genitals, who they are. And and it doesn't happen systematically. So you could grow up for a while there thinking that you have inherited a planet or a life where all is well and everyone is equal. But truth be told, at some point or the other, you will come across this. And I grew up in a family which was gender neutral, a progressive family. I never thought about myself as a woman alone. I just thought of myself as this empowered spirit. And the reason for that was that apparently my family was some of those rare families who were channeling a forgotten spiritual wisdom, a universal wisdom known as the Vedic wisdom, which is the root of Hinduism and has influenced Sikhism, Jainism, Buddhism, uh, religions that have come from India. But the Vedas themselves remain highly progressive, gender neutral, and they ask women and meant to share this planet in a benign and empowered and respecting manner. But then when it comes to religions, uh, it was different. Some were more patriarchal than others, but there is a stain of patriarchy in each one of them. So when I got married, Simran, I walked into a typical situation where I was... I was appreciated as long as I towed the line. And it was an invisible line that I had to tow, but um, I, I began towing it. And that's the tragedy. Why did I begin towing it if I knew better, if I had been raised differently? And the reason was that patriarchy is like the invisible COVID virus. It gets you sooner or later and i talk about that how it's it's spread and it's diffused in the culture it's in the air you breathe and before long i was this 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 daughter-in-law who was trying to gain approval and i had forgotten all about my spiritual heritage my karmic situation of being born in a legendary family of me being raised with with you know spiritual power and Um, inner permissions come alive. And there I was, this reduced person, albeit for a short while. But I've seen that. I've seen that part of me that had become a caricature of who I am. You know,
1: that is not uncommon to all women, regardless of the culture that we came from or what we fell into. That forgetting that you talk about, that slipping away of of our own sovereignty of our own self-respect of our own self-understanding it seems to be something like you said a, an invisible veil that that hits us and and part of the spiritual path perhaps into remembering something even greater than what our collective has fallen into i've heard you speak of this book just like my own books and my own work we go through experiences and they're very personal to us, but yet the work we do and the creations we create end up being collective in terms of the ripple and as well as the tools. Talk about that personal and collective link that this book has and what the primary message is that really will ripple out for the collective.
2: Yeah, because it is ubiquitous, we forget. And there is no reason to be ashamed about it. There is no reason to pretend that all is well because all is not well. We are set up to forget because often women around you reinforce the patriarchy to reinforce the submission and the seduction and the manipulation in different ways. We are not roaring. And this is, This is ubiquitous across feudal and modern societies, across transforming and aspiring societies. Because when I came to America, I found that no matter uh, how much achievement a woman had pocketed and how professionally astute and enabled she was, there was still a part of her that was not true. I was that, that, had, that was still surviving in a hostile planet that still knew somewhere that she had to be a little extra, a little more. She had to deliver more for less wage even, just, just to make it there. And this universality of this phenomena and the acuteness of the pain I experienced and the self-abandonment and um, humiliation that I experienced within me, and the sorrow I experienced at having forgotten what had been given to me by the universe um, led me to write this book. Because, uh, and I and I connected it to the goddess theories. Because when I had nowhere to go, when the marriage collapsed, or rather, I chose to let it go and drop it, and 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 I didn't know what's my place in society really. Um, well, you know because to begin with spiritual teachers who are chaste and virginal are are more appreciated than than teachers who are married just this is universal because there is some kind of a glamour around celibacy which is so untrue and then if you're a householder and if you don't have it together and you're filing for a divorce then you really don't have it together and it must be the woman's fault for not keeping it together so when I was in this place, of questioning everything about myself that is when i recall those goddess stories of hindu goddesses durga lakshmi and saraswati which are mentioned in the progressive beautiful vedas and they have out of the box stories they have choices that they have made through relationships inside them outside them without them with them which 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 represent ways of being in, in true alignment with your being, uh, things that you talk about in your book. And it's like, wow, those stories that I'd heard at bedtime from my mother, a roaring goddess woman, they came back to me and I smiled despite the darkness. And I and I had this little impish me within me saying, gosh, this is this is fun. I'm getting, to, I'm getting to shake the paradigm that's been around for so long. And I'm, something's going to happen. I have, I'm going to have to tell the whole world about it, how empowered I'm feeling in the middle of this darkness, just by recalling those stories. And then those stories became the foundation of my book, Roar Like a Goddess, because it is said that anybody who reads or hears these stories is going to awaken the sleeping goddess within.
1: You know, I think that's what I love about you so much and why I feel such a kinship to you. When I meet those types of spiritual guides and teachers that are not just always uh, espousing the light and the, the ascension, but are really assisting individuals in understanding how to navigate Uh, what appears to be the realities of life and understand the work that we have to do and the shadows that we must go in and the embrace of uh, and recognition of all that we seem to have succumbed to in order to rise then from that. That's the real examples and the mastery, I think, that our world needs at this time. And you said something that actually was one of my points I was going to talk about, and I want to go back to it. Because you mentioned that it's also because of the women around us. And so I'd love for you to, we kind of know what the patriarchy outside looks like. The question was, is there an inner patriarchy within us as women that we must face that is creating that outer patriarchy?
2: So true. And my book is less about the outer patriarchy, though it touches it. This is really not about bashing the men or the male clubs out there. They exist. But the reason they exist is because of the internalized patriarchy, because we allow that to happen, because we are willing to take a secondary seat or no seat at the table. Because some, and and, and it may not even be a conscious process where we have internalized the self limiting beliefs. Like I said, it's invisible, it's in the air we breathe. It's happening unconsciously at a subconscious level. And that's where books like mine are necessary so that we can examine our own contents of our own mind or our deeper beliefs. We can read these stories and cleanse what's gone in there from even before we were born, maybe from our mother's womb or from the pain and trauma that our grandmothers and great-grandmothers and our common ancestors have borne. In fact, I found a book and evidence, clinical evidence found by psychologists on what is known as patriarchy-induced stress disorder, PSD, but it's induced to patriarchy, it's because of patriarchy, and we all have it to some degree. And that's why we cross our legs a certain way when we sit, or we supposedly, that's how we're supposed to sit, or we walk a certain way, or we tame our opinions and we, and we maybe suppress our anger or our rage, even though it's the right thing to do. We just are like over alert, watching our every action, inside intimate relationships, because we don't want to be called hags and nags and bitches, and in professional world where we are not, where we don't want to be labeled as aggressive. While men can do what they want, how they want, um, they may or may not second-guess themselves, but we're trained to do that. And this is all coming from within us. And it took me time to drop these veneers that I hadn't even signed up for, but there they were, there they were. And I had to say, oh, this is strangling my voice. And I wonder if I'm still letting them go. And writing the book was another act of purging and cleansing and that a royal sisterhood has to come together. And these these conversations have to become like our everyday conversations. Like, what are you carrying? What are you carrying unconsciously that you could drop? And did the goddess carry it? No, this is how she dropped it. And this is how you can walk free. This is my belief.
1: Through spiritual knowledge that awakens and liberates us from stereotypical scripts, women can begin trusting themselves and learn to roar against the facades of conformity and other self-diminishing habits they have become accustomed to over time. As simply being human is not enough for women to feel safe and celebrated on our planet, it is time for women worldwide to look inward and roar with the bold goddess-like self-recognition. Acharya Shanya gently reminds you that while you certainly access divine grace by connecting to a goddess outside of you, it is also important to recognize the goddess powers lying latent within you. Your true self is a direct portal to the goddess dimensions of this universe. This means you're not limited to seeking aid from an otherworldly feminine divinity. You can unearth goddess-like strength buried within your very being, here and now. This book will be your guide Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. You can find out more about Acharya Shunya, her other books, which are Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom and Sovereign Self, and now this one, Roar Like a Goddess, by going to awakenself.com. You can also find out about some of her upcoming events, her teachings, and her programs. Again, that's Awaken Self. We'll be right back with more of Acharya Shunya.
0: Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living, 1111 Magazine, order now at www.1111mag.com, 1111mag.com.
3: Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose? The 1111 Mastermind Community inspires, empowers, guides, and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights. Let go and chart a new course. Dream a new dream. The 1111 Mastermind Community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses.1111mag.com change begins with you let it be simple convenient and transformative the time is now step through the 1111 gateway courses.1111mag.com
0: live up to your fullest potential this is the voice america empowerment channel You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can be overwhelming, and many people are burned out without even knowing it. Symptoms can include lack of motivation, feeling helpless or trapped, detached, fatigue, and more. We associate burnout with work, but that's not always the cause. Any of our roles in life can lead us to feeling burned out. better help, better H-E-L-P, help, online therapy wants to remind you to prioritize yourself. Talking with someone can help you figure out what's causing stress in your life. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Now, this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online, and there is a broad range of expertise available that might not be locally available in your area. You can get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com. Forward slash 11, spell out the word 11. This is a special offer for 1111 Talk Radio podcast listeners. Again, you can log into your account at any time, send a message to your therapist, get timely and thoughtful responses, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. Again, 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash 11 and spell out the word 11. Go ahead and visit their website. You can read their testimonials that are posted daily, and you can join over the 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Again, that's 10% off your first month. At betterhelp.com forward slash eleven. Don't forget to spell out eleven. I am with Acharya Shunya, who is the author of Are You Like Lifestyle Wisdom, Sovereign Self, and now the new book, Roar Like a Goddess, which you definitely will want to pick up. In part one, uh, she presents Goddess Durga as a role model who vanquishes internalized misogyny. You can use this archetype to take back your Feminine Power, power that you may have given away due to institutionalized patriarchy. In part two, she explores the goddess Lakshmi, who models living with internally sourced satisfaction. Lakshmi teaches that contentment is power unto itself. It makes us non-grasping, self-valuing, self-celebrating women. And in part three, she shares goddess Saraswati, and she's our guide for reclaiming the goddess from within, the ultimate teacher of our deepest journey to higher self. Throughout this book, Acharya Shunya shares her own insights about the goddesses based on years of contemplative study and meditation, both within herself and with her grandfather. Her inner self guides every step of the way, and this is a book that will let you roar like a goddess. For each goddess that she shares, there's myths, original insights, and empowering practices many of which will support your journey. I invite you to find out more at her website, awakenself.com. She also has a five-week journey that is starting tomorrow at Kripalu. You can sign up, and this is a Roar Like a Goddess, Sacred Storytelling, and Finding Your Authentic Voice. It will be a powerful experience, so definitely check that out at her website, awakenself.com, or you can go to Kripalu and search for Acharya Shunya's workshop acharya I want to also go back uh, with the discussion that we had in the first section. You mentioned sorrow, and there is a sense of sorrow that comes uh, when we sway from our soul self or our inner goddess nature. It, it's, it's almost something that's so deep within us that it's part of the forgetting and the sleeplessness, but it becomes this melancholy, at least that I felt for so long, that kind of stays in in the field until it is really embraced and and, and brought up. And I found grief to be a real portal to awakening and understanding of true power. Talk a little bit about the sorrow and the grief.
2: Many times we feel that happiness is the way to go and that when sorrow visits us, There is an anomaly. The universe doesn't have it right. Somebody somewhere should be accountable for what's going on. But we live in a universe of polarity. We live in a universe that is marked by light and then darkness by youth and then aging by birth and death. So happiness and sorrow, they chase each other. And it's not until we truly embrace the sorrow that we can really become ready for yet more happiness. So they, they intertwine through our lives and we grow through that intertwining. Sometimes we don't understand sorrow and we become more and more lost. We start abusing ourselves. We may even kill ourselves as a result. But even then, because the Vedas believe in future lifetimes, there is this agreement that you are never lost. And despite abandoning yourself, hurting yourself, your soul will continue to learn and grow from that. And you will become a more self-valuing person as a result. And I believe in the value of sorrow so much. First, I used to try and run away from it or hide from it like any other human. But the more knowledge you have, sacred knowledge, sacred wisdom, you realize that this sorrow is not happening to you, for you, but for you. The people I met who gave me sorrow, the person I was married to who could not support me, the culture that asked me to take a back seat, all of that occurred so that I could be the person I am today. All that transpired so that I could switch on the light within me when there was darkness around me. And this is where knowledge and grace of the goddess, they all transpire together and the only, the only thing that we have to do in the darkness is to not push it away, but become almost scientifically curious to wonder, what is this darkness wanting to show me? Because you once you get acclimatized to the darkness, you begin seeing things. You begin seeing shapes and forms that you would have missed if it was a bright room. You begin to see how things are juxtaposed together. And this is grace. Like you don't like shut your eyes in fear, but you open them wider in the darkness. You become more curious, you become more willing to learn. So while I had grief, I was also learning. And I remember this conversation with you uh, about this exact situation for seven long years, Simra.
1: Yes, it's so resonant, and it is the experience that I had that. That I've also shared, and so it's it's such a powerful point to emphasize, I think, to to men and women, especially at this time in our world. I feel like it is the key to opening the doors that everyone wants to venture into. We talked a little bit about patriarchy, both external and internal, and before we get into the goddesses, I'd love to hear your take on the Divine Feminine. I think that there are a lot of definitions of that, and yet there are also some errors of understanding that are being perpetuated. How do you define the Divine Feminine, and what is the largest error of understanding that is out there about the
2: feminine? I think I will begin with the error. The error is that somehow we have to uphold divine feminine in opposition to the divine masculine or the divine um, transgender or the divine allness. Whereas the Vedas showed us the way and they said divinity is unboxed, formless, boundless, and beyond gender, and yet it dwells in all genders, all beings, all creatures, all bodies. So there is an inherent harmony of the divine feminine over the divine everything else. And that is why it is so absolutely powerful. And yet to deny the presence of divine feminine would be foolishness because the mothering principle is, is, is self-proved. It's inherent in nature. All of nature is a womb, and that is why the nature Mother Earth, she is connected to the Divine Feminine in the Vedas. But this Divine Feminine is not just something far away. This is just another dogmatic perception that if this Divine Feminine is then an airy, fairy deity and she is somewhere far away in a geographically inaccessible location on the universe, far beyond our environment and clouds and heavens, and she is she has to be placated and she has to be um, pleased with rituals and there shall always be a gap between us humans and, and and her the embodiment of divine feminine the vedas say you can begin with that perception that she's far away but they offer us two other positions which i really love the second one is bring her closer Merge the divine feminine with this universe and then every heart coming your way, every eyes looking at you, every being who is in your um, arena is none other but a representative of the divine feminine. And so when they're good with you, you are being blessed by her. But when they are being hard with you or difficult with you, then she's challenging you to step up. And remember who you are deep inside you, because the third perspective, which is truth, is that she also dwells within you as your higher self. She who is all pervading that divine feminine essence principle that is uh, inherent to existence. How can she be separate from us? She dwells within us as our own atma, our own spirit, as our own higher calling, our own power, our own Higher abilities that we may have not tapped until now. But when we begin to remember that she's within us, you will surprise yourself. You would find goddess-like strengths within you that you never knew existed. It's like you're a you're a matchbox and that knowledge is needed to ignite that matchbox. And I wonder if this is the answer you were looking for, because there are all kinds of versions of it but i spoke what i know for thousands of years from the vedas which asks us to embody her out there everywhere and finally within you
1: hmm. that 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 was magnificent and it really brings to the forefront that we must each be our own muse our own inspiration our own desire our own longing and our own fulfillment I love, love that response. You say that when we are in search of the hidden goddess, that it takes a certain emotional willingness, that there has to be a level of defiance, and there also has to be an aspect of celebration. Can you expand on these three things?
2: Her stories are amazing from the Hindu mythology, or rather I should call it the Vedic mythology. And... We find that the goddess is an archetype for liberated modern goddesshood. And she shows that she lives in a universe just like us. So she doesn't live in a make-believe, airy-fairy universe where everything is always perfect. She too embodies, for our sake... The universe where darkness and light coexist, where difficult people and sincere people coexist, where there are people who are truly your friends and then there are people who pretend to be friends but are really stabbing you in the back. So there's pain and happiness coexisting. And as she maneuvers through this universe, she is found to be defiant of anything that's disrespectful of her and her shakti, her power. She... Represents to us radical self-respect, radical self-value, radical um, uh, uh, radical abilities to to say no, and and I have a beautiful legend that I can share where where defiance leads to self-celebration, and this is the legend of Lakshmi who is typically shown as a beautiful, gorgeous goddess sitting on a lotus, surrounded by butterflies and elephants and and flowers. And and she is shown to be the partner of a divine masculine god, deity, Vishnu. But when we go deeper into her legends, we find that before she made Vishnu her partner, before she chose him, she used to live in heaven. And... um, And there she found that she was disrespected by the person who had invited her there, the king of heaven, another minor deity called Indra. He tossed away a garland of flowers and Lakshmi took it personally because she lives in every flower. And while we women often are okay with being tossed away at work or at home or being made invisible, she made it a point to just walk away. And she walked into a limitless ocean of consciousness and she disappeared into her raw essence. She was no longer manifest as a manifest goddess. As a result of her disappearing, heaven was steeped in sorrow because now they were without Lakshmi, the goddess of good luck and good fortune and eternal youth and eternal spring. Flowers would not bloom. There would be food, but no hunger was experienced. There were bodies, but there was no health or glow on them. And so the the gods ran to Vishnu and said, what do we do? And he said, let's churn the ocean.
1: Acharya, let me pause you right there with Let's Turn the Ocean. Uh, We have to take a quick commercial break, and then we'll come right back. When we become forgetful of our spiritual truth, we abandon ourselves, suppress our needs, lose our true voice, neglect the goals we set for ourselves, and never really undertake the journey to wholeness and self-acceptance we yearn for deep inside. Habituation, powerlessness, and fear conceal our divine potential from us, that, is what happened to Acharya Shanya and unfortunately happens to most of us. For each goddess, Shanya shares in ancient myths, original insights and empowering practices. Throughout Roar Like a Goddess, she honors her progressive Vedic roots while breaking the shackles of tradition and bringing this wisdom into full force for you. You can find out more at awakenself.com. That's awakenself.com. Also check out her other books and her upcoming five-week course with Kripalu. We'll be right back with more Acharya Shunya and Roar Like a Goddess.
3: Do you want more, more joy, more abundance, more power and presence? How would it feel to have more loving relationships, more empowered community, greater fulfillment and life purpose. The 1111 mastermind community inspires, empowers, guides and supports transformation. Shift your mind, expand your heart, deepen insights, let go and chart a new course. Dream a new dream. The 1111 mastermind community is an online portal for personal transformation and soulful expansion. Go to courses.1111mag.com. That's courses
0: Discovering the heart and stepping into conscious living. Eleven Eleven Magazine. Order now at www.elevenelevenmag.com. One 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 MAG.com.
3: It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. Voice America Empowerment.com.
0: You are listening to 1111 Talk Radio. Simron is an award-winning author, publisher of 1111 Magazine, powerful speaker of wisdom, and a life mentor. Find out more at imsimron.com. Now, back to 1111 Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back. Before we get uh, back to Acharya Shania and her book, Roar Like a Goddess, I want to mention... Uh, my new books, which are a trilogy. The first one is Living, the Seven Blessings of Human Experience. It's a guidebook that allows you to release the boredom, the angst, the anxiety, and the depression about life's experiences, so to live with greater presence and personal power. It is you in the life that you're living and how to navigate any and all experiences you will encounter The second book is Being, the seven illusions that derail personal power, purpose, and peace. And it focuses upon the illusions that we have all succumbed to, that we have all fallen asleep to, and become conditioned into. It is through awakening to these illusions that we not only empower ourselves, but that becomes the ripple that changes in collective consciousness These two books are out now, and what I invite you to do is sip them slowly. Read a few lines of living in the morning and a few lines of being in the evening, and this will allow something powerful to unfold. My new trilogy is not something to be read quickly cover to cover. It truly is meant to be sipped and savored with a few lines a day. And as you do this, you will prepare for the final book, which releases at the end of the year called Knowing the Seven Human Expressions of Grace. You can find out more by going to the link at the top of the show page or going to my website imsimran.com or anywhere that books are sold. I hope that you'll get copies for you. They are certainly staples for any spiritual growth or personal growth library. My guest today is Acharya Shunya and she's an internationally renowned and award-winning spiritual teacher. She has written several books, including Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom, Sovereign Self, and now Roar Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful, and it is filled with beautiful insights, rich information, and powerful stories. It is time for you to find your most powerful self and to live out that sovereignty that you have been You have been seeking to embody. Goddess Durga, Lakshmi, and Saraswati are first and foremost introduced in the Vedas. The Vedas gift us forward-thinking, holistic guidance on how to be empowered and live harmoniously despite differences. The Vedas call for an inclusive society that values all genders and classes of people. There's no greater proof of their pro-feminine stance than the fact that they are the only sacred literature in the world that has been extensively authored by women seers and not just men. This show is going to go a little more into Lakshmi, and then we're going to have Acharya Shanya back on for part two, where we not only dive more deeply into Durga and Saraswati, but also more deeply into an understanding of why now women must stand more and more in their goddesshood and rise above any of the shadow-like tendencies, the sleepiness, and the unconsciousness that has inhabited us until now. Acharya, you have been speaking about Lakshmi and you were telling the story of Vishnu and he said, churn the waters. So
2: what happened next? The goddess came up on a huge lotus as big as the moon and everybody was looking at her with greedy eyes. They all wanted her, not for herself, but what she could bring for them, good luck, good fortune, etc. And this time she saw Vishnu and in his eyes eye, she saw complete love, unconditional love, unconditional mirroring of her own self-respect. And she put a garland on him and became his partner. And this way she became the world mother because he was world father. While earlier she was just a goddess in the back rooms of the heaven, making all the heavenly beings have a happy life while she was not respected. So she went from defiance of that one role and walking away to come and emerge into her true world goddesshood because she believed in herself, because she knew she deserved better. And I'm not teaching through this legend that you must walk away all the time, but it's definitely a point to consider that do you have other options? Can you? What change can you bring into your situation because you're willing to let go, because you're willing to allow change to happen for the better.
1: So I go back to that uh, other question around the search for our inner goddesses. And it's that emotional willingness that you're talking about in terms of in each of these particular archetypes that we really dive deeply and we find those places within our heart, within our mind, within our bodies, and open them up to be willing to change whether or not that requires an actual change or leaving or loss, but at least the willingness. And then you spoke about her defiance and that goes back to the defiance that we must address. Speak a little more about defiance and what that means, because so often when we think of women being defiant or, uh, our children being defiant or anyone being defiant against, uh, a A framework or an organization that's often looked down upon, but you're speaking of it more in terms of empowerment.
2: Defiance has been punished for millennia. We have been burnt at the stake. We have been marginalized. We have been punished. We have been made to feel guilty. So, defiance has its own politics. But the defiance that I am now asking women to embody is like a boundary, a spiritual boundary of sorts. And in my Lakshmi section, I talk about how self-value and self-respect are cardinal to achieve abundance. People pray to the deity for abundance while they lead wretched lives. But if you begin self-valuing yourself and your boundaries and your defiance, comes from that, then you will walk into abundance. As a woman, as a teacher, as a professional on the world stage, I have embodied my um, right to be defiant of any any people, any situations, any opportunities that will not reflect me in the light that I'm worth being reflected in because I'm a modern-day goddess. And every time I've said no, even though it caused some unrest, some ripples of negativity in the situation around me, sooner or later it led to me growing in my own light, growing my dharma spine some more. And then the universe would bring me bigger and more beautiful opportunities. That's just how it is. So defiance is almost necessary to come into your goddesshood. Compliance, on the other hand and passivity, these are familiar traits for us the, to be pleasing people. Oh, that's our go-to place for all women. But now let's let's cherish this word defiance. Let's experience its texture, and let's understand that this defiance is not based on simple ego or having a tantrum. The defiance I'm inviting women kind to is dharmic defiance, the defiance that's going to make this planet more equitable, more harmonious, more beautiful, because somewhere a woman said no. Mm, That's so powerful. When
1: people think of Lakshmi, so often the way it is depicted or described is often very material. It's, It's the gold coins, it's the money, I want wealth, I want this, I want that. But what you're speaking of is establishing and grounding that inner wealth of self-respect, self-value, self-understanding, more of a richness inside that then cultivates that wealth of experience and life and abundance on the outside.
2: I always take, I never take things at face value, and... As part of the religion that I grew up with, um, yes, there is a temple, there is a deity made of clay or some wonderful metal, and everybody puts flowers to her and incense, and then they ask her for blessings. Literally, people open their wallet in front of the deity to say, fill it up, and then people come back and report miracles. And I don't mock that. I just see that as children going up to their divine mother and saying, can you fill up my gaps? And if I ha- if I ever were in that situation, I, I, I don't have any, um, you know, uh, I won't have any second thoughts in asking the Divine Mother to bless me with more wealth. But then when we go into the scriptures and when we go deeper into her symbolism, dollars or rupees is not the only form of wealth. There are 16 types of wealth which includes mental peace is a kind of wealth. Equanimity is a kind of wealth. Good, uh, solid relationships that got your back is a kind of wealth. Um, Fertility, children, friends in your life, happy days spent barbecuing in your backyard, maybe with cheerful laughter, all that is wealth. So I wanted to bring forward Uh, the concept of wealth in a goddess kind of way and so that we could aspire for more and not just become people who feel more or less because of the number on our bank (laughs) accounts. like how much money do we have? When I look at those 16 forms of wealth, which I've noted in my book, I could check quite a bunch of them and I felt like the most wealthy woman that day, Simran. I felt, wow. And it also showed a way of life, of cultivating an abundant way of life. And um, there was a part of me which is a hermit. But even after writing this book and as I became more clear myself, I started spending more time with friends and family with, with greater joy, greater Lakshmi energy. And I've been having a blast. And I come back to being a hermit even happier. So there is so much that we can learn from the goddesses. This is not, and this is the part about celebration that you mentioned, celebrating your whole life with abundance. And while we're on Lakshmi, I just want to say for a minute that the way she was promoted to me, and and I'm sure that's the way you encountered her too, um, because we share a similar culture. Um, You know, she's a domestic goddess. She makes your marriage uh, work and um she, she's shown to be passive and docile. She's anything but passive and docile. She's shown in her mythology to stride the lion and go go get and annihilate a demon called Kolasur, which literally means the inner darkness. That means when you stride your lion, your power, and come into your Lakshmi light, you're going to bring an end to the depravity of your soul, to the darkness of your mind, and to the negative thoughts that, you know, sap your joy away from you. So I've gone into deeper symbolism and had fun with it. And I think a lot of people who've known her only one way, as a goddess who brings you money, are going to enjoy knowing Lakshmi in so many more ways.
1: I hope you'll join me when we do part two of this beautiful interview with Acharya Shanya, where we'll go more deeply into the distinctions uh, and directions of contentment and discontent around pleasure and also the power of Durga and Saraswati. Goddess Lakshmi is said to possess four hands. They signify her power to grant the fulfillment of four universal goals of life collectively called Purushartha. One represents seeking material security through the pursuit of job, family, relationships, and material intentions. Second is enjoying the age of appropriate sensorial and sexual pleasures of life. Third is the pursuit of higher consciousness in everything we do. And fourth is pursuing spiritual knowledge to connect with the inner divinity. This comes from Acharya Shanya's new book, War Like a Goddess, Every Woman's Guide to Becoming Unapologetically Unapologetically. Powerful, Prosperous, and Peaceful. You can find out more about all of her work at awakenself.com. Also, order her books, Ayurveda Lifestyle Wisdom and Sovereign Self. And find out more about her upcoming five-week uh, online workshop with Kripalu called War Like a Goddess, Sacred Storytelling and Finding Your Authentic Voice. There is much you can gain in knowing this beautiful, internationally renowned Spiritual teacher. Thank you, Atari Shanya for being on 1111 Talk Radio. I look forward to part two. Until next time, I am Simran, in love, of love, with love, and as love. Be well.
0: Thank you for opening your mind to a new reality, your heart to greater compassion, and your experience of aliveness with 1111 Talk Radio. Join host Simron next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to step through the Gateway of Conscious Living here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, you are not on the journey. You are the journey.